0: The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 35 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our
1: way, let's go to work.
0: Savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts' work you could find over at MMA Junkies as well as OddsCheckerUS.com. But on this year program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high level MMA, and that's what we're going to do here today. Tonight, whenever you listen to this, hopefully is for the fight as I'm recording this Thursday night, West Coast Pacific time, right here in Vegas for uh, UFC Vegas 35, UFC on ESPN 30, UFC. Uh, Barbosa versus Chikadze. Um However, you have it, we're going to be breaking it down as per usual from top to bottom. And as per usual, you can check the timestamps for when that starts. Save yourself some time, although I'm going to treat this like an expedited edition, even though it's not Friday. Um, and um, regardless of your time, if you want to listen to less of me and our shorter time, uh, and I don't blame you for. Uh, either, <laughs> but um, you uh, can always skip to the end where I recap my picks and plays again from top to bottom, keeping this format as simple easy to follow. And uh, like the breakdowns I provide, try to give you guys the different phases to work with, however deep you like to go. Massage it in there, real light, or perhaps stay in a little bit of a, a surface value tape and just look at the result. But either way, we got you covered here. And um, we're going to just do a couple quick shout-outs, recap of UFC ESPN29, which was not bad, um, depending on what you did. We'll get to what we did, uh, which was technically a winning night, um, which is always good. Um, and, uh, yeah, Um am not going to do any of the reads or any of that stuff. That's just, we'll save that for another time, uh, and, yeah, I'm not really... Too high on promoting myself too much <laughs> as I have been, uh, so apologies for that. But so I, I mean, I'm just gonna try to keep it quick, as fun as possible. Maybe might do a <laughs> a new for fun segment that we'll, we'll see. It'll either be keep this fun, maybe it might be a uh, dare, say a, a fun idea to, to play with from time from time to time, or just another reason why that fucking crazy fuck just just fast forward to the end. Uh, which again, I don't blame you. So we'll see. But hey, it's better to try to. Uh, stick around for fun than, um, uh, dwelling on all, um, the negative in this space, which, um, I guess will tie into the shouts to kind of turn those into positives. People doing some a good work, right? So let's, uh, so yeah, but, uh, you know, apologies for last week. Um, trying to do better. Although again, once again, my, my ideas were, uh, or my, 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 efforts, I should say, to, uh, to talk about, to do the top fives, talk about the, uh, yeah, some of the uh, martial arts history, Asian stuff, all that good stuff. It um, uh, didn't happen. I was gonna tweet it, so good thing I didn't. Again, we're gonna try to do a re-record, and and and, and no worries to uh, Jordan. This is, uh, again, folks, this is this is your boy's fault here. Um, but uh, but uh, we will get that to you. But it was just kind of ironic because I was listening to, which is gonna lead me to a shout. I'm always already gonna shout their podcast and shout out their podcast on on the said lost episode 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 uh, for Southpaw, uh, but. Um But actually, uh, on their latest episode, which uh, I believe is Pride Never Die, which is awesome because you get the uh, LGBTQ perspective of MMA podcasting, you know about me, I'm definitely we definitely need more perspectives other than the usual and typical ones, right, I guess, or whatever, and not hating. I'm just saying like like more diversity is good. And that's a that's an awesome show. And uh, whoever the guest was, I forget, uh, but it's in their show notes. So again, another reason to subscribe to their feed. Uh, did a good job talking about some of the uh, Asian tie-ins with the pro-wrestling, um, as pro-wrestling was kind of more their episode, but uh, but yeah, um, we'll definitely talk some of that for when we finally get around to the top five Japanese uh, MMA fighters, um, which at this point, I'm, I'm honestly just more excited just to talk to my guy, my guy Jordan, again, because um, he is genuinely one of my favorite people to talk to, regardless if he's a co-host or not, Um So wishing him well, and shout to the Southpaw Pod because uh, just they had another episode come out this week. I'm not trying to just steal TSOV uh, Pod stick. I just got my shouts here, and uh, this stuff needs to be shouted, man. Um, And uh, it was a good one, especially for you know, it's something I've been definitely thinking about, realizing you know how much (laughs) uh, how polluted the martial arts space can be, and you got to kind of look around a bit. Um, But uh, they had an episode basically on faces and cult checklists, what to look for in groups. And it is for martial arts, but really, you know, there's, there's some pretty applicable stuff that's kind of not default all, but applies more to just martial arts um, as far as groups, people, human natures, uh, things to watch out for, and so on and so forth. Um, so I recommend that. And speaking of that topic, again, it's been a really sad topic because, uh, again, there's just a, a ton of... If you weren't paying attention, I think uh, a shout-out to Dougie on uh, Twitter, who actually, I don't think he tweeted at me. Um, He was tweeting at a bunch of journalists, and fortunately, I don't know if it's something that many people cover, which is sad because it's a real prevalent problem, which is, you know, sex abuse and grooming and stuff in all sports, right? Uh, Much less combat sports and just really prevalent in BJJ. A lot going on right now with, I believe... um, was it, the Fight Sports uh, brand from South Florida, BJJ? I don't want to get too in or cite that name exactly because maybe I'm citing the wrong name. <laughs> now I'm selling another name. But anyways, how about this? Go to the original thing I'm going to shout here to make it easy, a Verbal Tap Podcast, which, honestly, there. if uh, this is a heavy sub uh, subject or, you know, for one, you're, you're, you're running the risk of listening to my podcast. You never know which direction I'm going to go. I'm going to try to keep it fun today, folks. Don't worry. Um, but, uh, as far as like fun and funny, I mean, legit comedian slash broadcast talents in, um, Kevin and, uh, Raph in the Verbal Tap podcast. OG's the podcast space as well. Um, also legit jiu guys, uh, very entertaining and informed. So just a good podcast if you're looking for lighter stuff. Uh, this episode, not so much, but it's a very important and informative one. Again, spacing out, don't have the guest name. Uh, she's a female, uh, uh writer now editor I believe uh, editor in chief possibly for the Jiu Jitsu Times but she really breaks down that situation with the exact names people, places, times, citations all that all that fun stuff um, but a uh, more prevalent problem than probably many realize so that's worth a listen on the lighter side I got one of my most genuine laughs from the week listening of course to my guys uh, Gorgeous Georgian Ghost shout out to the Triple G show but this was actually a junkie radio show Um, you can subscribe to the Triple G Show on their Patreon. But this was actually a Junkie Radio show, and they were just talking about... I forget what the fuck it was. Um, Shoot, it might have been... Was it? Uh, I don't know what it was. But, um, yeah, about something. They're just doing hypotheticals about, like, uh, if a bear is eating me, like, (laughs) at what point do you just give up on me and go save yourself? And it was... (laughs) (laughs) I mean... It was, it was a very funny conversation and they, and uh, I meant to text them because uh, I think in the same podcast goes with saying he may or may not have uh you know uh, laid it laid the chalk on Madsen when was nervous about it and then I, I spaced it I was actually gonna send him a stat that oh, oh I shared in my um I think last week's show um, if he caught that and I, I know I put the stat in my breakdown but it was the guy shot at that monk fella Uh, I figured that stat would have eased him, Uh, but uh, no, I'm sure we'll get to that fight too. We're going to recap that shortly. I'm sure he just sweated it out like uh, the rest of us who were on Manson in some way, so good thing uh, my guy Cash, and I wanted to give that show a shout, and uh, lastly, but not leastly on the shouts, uh, I wanted to shout out the Fixed Fights pod. Um, I don't know if this episode even came out yet, to be honest, but, uh, um, I did a bit of a, it wasn't even a top five, I think it was like kind of like an abbreviated, which made sense there there's three of us, so we did a top three um, MMA walkouts, MMA walkouts, got a right on that, um, uh, completely sober folks, promise, but, um, and it's not even late too, what the fuck, but, um, well, I haven't been sleeping good, so there's that, but, uh, yeah, they were way too kind, and, uh, you know, gave me like some kind of a, you know, I forget what they said, but, um, uh, you know, whether it's top five or top 10, that's nobody owns that, uh, nobody, you know, or whatnot. But, um, as far as the top five MMA, top five MMA historicals go, um, I would argue that I, I think I've been doing them the most. If you look at it, you'll find older articles, like maybe like some old, like from 10 years ago, like Shouts to Snowden or someone like who were doing like some stuff on, um, Bleacher Report, which I give guys like that. By the way, I, I, I like to think I'm really good and one of the more better people. Again, despite not a journalist, one of the best journalists in the sense that I actually shout other people. I, I, I get that right I'm not afraid to say the names. But like, um, but like, uh, like it, like you know, uh, I gave him a shout by the way in that top five uh, episode, uh, Snowden as well. Uh, Lost episode, episode, episode. But um, but yeah, um, but yeah, like uh, they were just being too kind on that and I wanted to remind myself of that and uh, give them a shout and partly that no shout because I was just kind of getting uh, bummed out earlier this week just uh, kind of with the, with last week just like being reminded of like ah, Jesus what the heck you know the, the, all the many people that just do all of the facets of things that I do but just better I'm like, ah. <laughs> I'm like yeah, should I even you know as I kind of give up on, on, on trying to hit these what I thought were realistic but now just kind of mythical numbers um But yeah, I was just like, uh, reminded of like, uh, uh, you know, and again, good on them, but people that do the the top five stuff and monetize it much better than me. Um, and I was just like, ah, crap. I'm like, yeah, no wonder why, uh, Dan, you, you, uh, you suck. So I started, you know, going down that path of beating myself up. Remember what the Fixed Fights podcast said and were just giving me a... Some kind words for being, you know, an, uh, o- you know, an OG, although I don't think I am, but I will say I guess I am one of the mo- most longest people, uh, and more consistent even from the video, uh, mass forces out there doing their thing, uh, so appreciate you guys, and apologies on the delays on all these top fives, so without further ado, let's go into the recap, UFC on ESPN uh, 29 recap, Twenty-nine, nine times. Uh, we went seven and five overall. One and two. Uh, one slash two and zero, depending on how you look at it. In straight plays, I'll get to why that is. What and own props. Zero and one in own pro- parlays. Zero uh, and one in props slash one and one, depending if we count the ad, which will, which we'll get to. So um. Uh yeah. Um. Sorry, it's Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, we had uh, Jared Cannonier defeat Calvin uh, Gaslam via uh, unanimous decision. Again, uh, I stayed away, but um, it, it went down pretty much like I said. The more leg kicks, more damaging shots. Um, it would be pretty competitive, but the more damaging shots will win over Cannonier by decision, despite not never going the five rounds before, and he did. Um, didn't bet it, so. so not bumping my chest too hard. Not that that's my style, but you know. For what that's worth, out there, given in the very picks and the reasonings, which means more important to me, the latter. Um, Mark Madsen, yes, water, please. Uh, defeated Clay Quita. I think he asked for water in the corner, and I was just like, I started laughing. Please, water. Um, yeah, the, the the prop misses by sub. Um, it's a nice number on it, and uh, the analysis was there. But little do we know, um, Madsen just didn't really, you know, I think he tried a couple and then was just kind of uh, scared off from the wrestling. But I don't know if he was scared off slash either way. It was kind of stupid of him not to continue to push into the clench um, because he landed some really damaging knees there that I'm not sure everybody caught watching live that actually changed Guida's posture. And he did it uh, twice. Um, That made up for the, you know, the heart stinging shot that Guida landed earlier in the round uh, that most were focused on. But um, I can't nor care to really relitigate the rounds, but I just remember that. And um, I wouldn't have been surprised if it went the other way, but uh, Matson, you know, was the more active guy and. You know, was throwing the jab, which is easier for a judge to digest typically than leg kicks. Although judges, maybe not so much in this fight, depending on your opinion. But I will say, in their defense, I think they've gotten better. The leg kicks—they still stuck at body and body work encounters. Uh, but jabs are uh, obviously pretty palatable to bulls a score, and he threw enough of them and spammed enough of them out there. I'm guessing that's why. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could have made a case either way, I suppose. But no issue there. More just on my wrong read, but again, you know uh, that was the danger, I guess, for the the Madsen side of the the pick and bet, oddly enough, and him being the favorite, oddly enough, which was that he had uh, you know less sample size to predict these things. Um. So yeah, but uh, glad glad my guy uh, goes cash and anybody else who uh, was on the Madsen side. Um, Parker Porter defeated Chase Sherman. Um, I mean, the epitome of three round cardio, Parker Porter. I mean, fuck. He almost cashed that round three. I know my man Aaron Bronstater threw a dart. Um, uh, it was one of his uh, TSN Edge darts of the week. Uh, that thing almost cashed. Um, yeah, it was right there. And but, grats to anybody who was on uh, Porter. I know my man uh, God, You want to talk about God? Real, God- real Godfathers. Uh, he's the Godfather of the uh, t shirt in the pool division curious to listen into the analysis this week to see where uh you know where partner moves in the where Porter uh you know floats in the pool um yeah hand the floaties over baby uh vince from hell pichelle versus uh defeats austin uh, hubbard as i said on the podcast um i didn't play but then by the end of it said i was gonna play and that i was gonna play it anyways but just by the end of the breakdown, as you guys heard me, I was just like, why haven't I played it already? And so I did. It was the right price to play it at, which was at even money. Um, that hit. So that was nice. Um, just kind of like I said, he just dogs it out. You know, he just kind of starts slow. Makes you nervous for your bet. And then uh, you realize that this is just how all his fights go. And he's going to he's gonna dog it out, and he does. Um, Sadugub, uh <laughs> Ramanov. Sorry, I have, speaking of Bradstruck, I have him cockraminoving his pronunciation of this name into my ear, uh, defeated Trevin Jones. Um, Yeah, Uh, as I said, as I could barely keep a straight face if you were watching the previous show I did with Aaron Bronstetter, um, I was just like, (laughs) yeah, man, uh, Trevin Jones is salivating uh, because he's had had to be on weight, and salivating is a dangerous thing to do with a guy like cockraminoff in front of you. And uh, you know, uh, poor attempt at immature humor aside, and disrespecting someone's name aside, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Dan. Um, that, that that part was true. You know, Trevin Jones. You know, released a statement. Not to take anything away from K- K- Hakramanov, but um, Trevin Jones released a statement saying you know, he wasn't feeling himself, this and that, yada yada yada. Um, I guess this was the other ad. um, and, and to my credit, I did lay this out on Aaron Broaddus' pre-show and tweeted it publicly. Uh, Alejandro Pantoja Defeated Brandon Royville. Uh Of course that was the under Which was plus money And cashed um, And even though it was a little bit nervous Because it looked like he was falling downhill to, to pace he was going to get drowned out by Royville's pace But so does the uh, also the Straight play ad on Pantoja As the price dropped the day of So I decided to pull the trigger Along with that over And they both cashed Which was nice um, I hope they make Pantoja for the title against Moreno. Got to happen. Uh, what, what a classy call out. I was already a fan of Pantoja, but I was even a, a bigger fan. Right? Um, uh, Austin Lingo defeated Luis Saldana. I didn't really watch this one too much, um, so I can't really say. It looks like Saldana ran out of gas, but I think he also hurt his foot in the first round. So Tough luck for him, and uh, good win for Lingo. Uh, Brian Kelleher defeated Domingo Pilarte, cashing one leg of our palais. Um, yeah, I think I ended up sprinkling a little bit inside and missed on that uh, on the day of for some plus money sprinks. but, uh, Kelleher does, does the damn thing and, and gets a unanimous decision. Um, Josian Nunez defeats Bea Um, yeah, man, uh, obviously uh, everyone's going to make the Andrade references, but I'm stoked for her, especially if she goes down a division. Uh, if not, she can scrap. Um, Malecki hopes she's all, all right, recovers okay. Um, and uh, glad I avoided that. Bum for people who were on Malecki, and props to people who took the shot on Nunez because there wasn't many I saw. William Knight defeated Fabio Charant. Of course, Thick Willie. <laughs> thick Willie. Who- Thick-reary-son, um, Willie willy Thickums. Uh, I mean, what about that hook? I mean, he just, he's just so thick. I mean, that is, like, the perfect Thick-Willie finish, you know? Like, for the guy that is the—he's just permanently the—what uh, wh- do you call The Pineapple Express, I'm-a-flex-and-bust-out-of-here gif, the Danny McBride gif, right? Like, that is a Thick-Willie submission defense. Like, for him to just get a Thick-Willie hook, a, ch- a Thick-Willie check hook, where he just kind of lobs a straight arm— and just knocks a guy like Family Guy dead. Like there's dead, dead, and there's Family Guy get dead, 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 which we'll get to in the uh, in the breakdown coming up. But um, you know, again, uh, I'm 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 a sympathy and a sucker for Sharon's story. But you know, I was all all team Thick Willie there. And uh, and again, um, I'll uh, I'll make the counter to uh, what's the obvious what's the obvious joke that I'm leaning into here. You know, with Thick Willie, but to touch on the, uh, <laughs> the deeper, um, um, you know, my conscience is getting better. Than me, I'm just like, you know, I'm trying to go. Hey, listen, at least I, <laughs> at least I talk about, you know, at least I sexualize males and not females, right? I'm countering this, this ship that way, right? But then I feel bad because you know I'm like, well, I don't still, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to make the same mistake and you know, you know, overly sexualize black men. But I'm like, you know what? No, I do it to other people, and I like, I point, I think well, who would I pick out? I was like Musasi and Benil. I'm like okay, well, i I realize I'm like picking all like POC or people like global south looking. Let's uh, let's reach out and uh. Let's, speaking of a retirement, this last week that I didn't touch on, Phil Baroni was probably another name to balance out the pack. I should have brought up there, uh, you know, uh, Italian hog action to the rescue, right? Jesus, that guy posting his piece about shout out to the naked gambler for still one of the funniest Twitter posts, quote tweets ever. Uh, but um, but again, it, just try to f- further prove you know. And I've talked about some baroni hog on this podcast before, folks. You know me. So again, just trying to point out I, I do I do spread out the hog talk. I try to stay fair. And again, while most in the media still just you know, and again I I, I love women just as much as the next uh, I guess straight man uh, or you know, uh, bi man or gay woman or bi woman as much as the next person. Okay. Uh, but uh, I'm just saying, you know, uh, there's enough of sexualizing women uh, in general, much less in a <laughs> very misogynistic sport, uh, let's, uh, you know, let's sexualize the men for a change, you know, and that's 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 what me and uh, people like Ben Cohn, uh, uh MMA analysis as well, you know, fighting the good fight there, Jesus damn, well that's a stretch. All right, uh, moving on, uh, Thick Willie, though, thank you for cashing that, Willie Thickums, we got to get that movement going on. We gotta get it going on. I was tweeting it out to Chad Dundas to be one of his guys, and I was hoping he would say it on the the Co Event podcast, but no dice. We had to get Thick Willie to turn into a movement, folks. All right, then move on from the Thick Willie. Uh, here's where I was wrong, man. All props, Nacio Baamundez defeated Roosevelt Roberts. Um, boy, I'm glad I only uh, sprinkled light uh, on Roosevelt. Um, and something fun that obviously didn't cash because he ended up on the mat and would have not cash anyways because he was distinctively losing. Uh, but, um, yeah, he couldn't get to the ground, and I, I kind of knew where the fight was going. I didn't see the spin kick knockout, but I did know he was going to lose, uh, made peace with that, to be honest, in round one after uh, my question was answered or what I was banking on. The uh, I think I sprinkled this, the sub prop as well uh, in another house, um, and that, of course, did not hit. Um uh, but, you know, again, I, I, I've been hard on uh, his coach, Mike Valley, although, again, a lot of his stuff, he came up in South America under his father as his coach. But um, Mike Valley's been working with him since he was like 17. Uh, has put a lot of work into the kid as well. Deserves a ton of credit as well um, and deserves a ton of credit from me. Who who have been harder on him because you know, a lot of his fighters have been on a losing trend. I saw a lot of the spinning stuff in the power, works. I don't know how practical that is. In his defense, he had an inconsistent, both with himself and with the camps, slash working with him, and Yair Rodriguez is probably one of his more star pupils who could only strike from one side, uh, so on and so forth, right? Uh, but there's some really good things going on there. Um, again, Bilal looked great with his striking, but Bilal was kind of already... You know, uh, he only recently joined up with them, so I wasn't sure how much of it was Rufus Sport and Duke Rufus, as opposed to Mike Valley. But man, you know, Mike Valley's making his mark. Um, shut me up right there. Gotta give him nothing but credit. Happy for Bob Mondes. He Seems like an, a nice kid. Um, and that highlight reel is gonna be on on it for forever. And it almost makes me upset that these. It does it almost. It does continually make me upset that these bonuses. Uh, they need to have an evergreen bonus that either collects with the views or is just a flat fee that's just more than whatever 50 or even the 75 bonus K night. Like it's got to be 200K and above. And you still could argue it should be more um, for these evergreen bonuses that are going on highlight reels. Um, if anything, it's just going to, you don't have to pay one of those out. You aren't obligated to give one. So. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's not even like you'd be giving them out. You're forcing yourself to give one UFC. Just just do it for these guys, man. They deserve it. Um, props to Bob Mondes. Uh, the submission prop I should have brought uh, bet because I called this one was Ramiz Brahimaj defeating Sasha Polatnikov again, uh, which is a method I'll be going with here, going with a better on-paper grappler in the smaller cage. Uh, and so it was Brahimaj, and so, and so it happened. So there's that. All right. How do we do on oh, a time 25 minute? All right. We're going to move on to UFC on ESPN 30. UFC Vegas 35 5 question mark. Um Yeah, uh UFC Barbosa versus Chikadze, of course, Barbosa. Minus 115. Jikadze, minus 105. I uh, refresh to make sure that he steals the case. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, uh, Barbosa opened as a favorite, minus 150. He should be the favorite. You could argue even more than that. Um, but uh, as many know, it's no secret, you know, I was really hoping for the line to flip, uh, which I don't think we're going to get now. So, um, I'm probably going to have to pull the trigger once I can see a minus 115 at even. That's the only way I can justify my. I could justify it, to be honest, with uh, how strongly I feel. Uh, but uh, there are, um, after running Jakadzie back through the entire comb, I went back and watched everything possible on him from kickboxing to MMA. Um, much more of an understanding of his game, uh, but also still validated in a lot of the thoughts I had. And the ultimate underlying problematic themes will be what has me picking against them, but I will outline um, uh, the the parts of his game that are definitely worthwhile respecting and that could earn him a win, okay? So we'll cover uh, that too. And I also just want to say that, you know, I know I've been hard on, you know, it's, it's not Chikadze because, you know, by the way, you know, something I wish was promoted more um, by my fellow media uh I know. Uh, Brotherton asked him about it, but um, but or to the broadcast alike is um, which they brought it up too. But I still feel like it should be this stuff should be brought up more. Um, his knockout cancer thing, you know, I and mean, he didn't call it the Giga Cancer Fund <laughs> to make fun of his Giga Kick and his appropriation as far as that goes. But no, he he really does is legit uh, from his kickboxing, even early May And granted, you know, small purses like with the foot, but still, just the fact that uh, him and his family set up a fund to fight cancer. And every part of his purse goes to somebody. Um, he lost his mother to cancer. Like, you know, his dad seems like a jovial dude. Like, I got nothing for love, for chikazi, for all that stuff. Um, and even stylistically, like, he comes from, uh, not my karate base, he comes from Goju Ryu. Um, I can briefly talk about those if, if you want. But um, But, yeah, he's a traditional martial arts guy. Who can, even though he's not a dedicated southpaw, he can do work from southpaw. Like, the fuck, you don't think I, you know, appreciate this kind of a guy? You think I should be like a Team Chikatzy guy? Really? You got any of my man John John Rico, friend of the podcast, Transit Kings MMA? He's probably gonna hate me uh, when I when I oh. <laughs> when I when I when I start to criticize Giga. On the other hand, uh, from a stylistic perspective, but uh, yeah, there's plenty to like about Giga. There's plenty that I like, and plenty of reason for me and for you to like him. That's that's fine. I'm not trying to be disrespectful here, what I do find disrespectful is the betting line and the hype this kid gets, A, I know hype is a normal thing, and I understand that as my contrarian nature has me hardwired to do, that I naturally want to poke holes when I see hype, especially when it's, you know, the typical trope that tends to, to piss me off, because you know me, I'm the old guy lover over here, that sounds really creepy, that sounded weird, wow, phrasing, phrasing, uh, I'm the veteran fighter lover. All right, that sounds better. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Welcome to my new YouTube channel, guys. Uh, no, just <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Uh, but, uh, but what the fuck was I saying? Wow, I really sidetracked myself with that. But when, when I see the betting trend of you know, the MMA betters, you know, betting the sexy striker, the opportunistic knockout guy with the unproven sample size uh, against the proven veteran, right? Um, I just, I don't like seeing those. And more than that, I, and again, I'm not trying to just, dis- I, I, you know, I, I know people in the UFC broadcasts. Um, I like people in the UFC broadcasts. Um, I, I, you know, uh, I like Joe Valtellini's broadcasting on Glorious. He was probably the only person that was, you know, semi-realistic about Giga's game. Um, because I don't know what it is. I don't know if something in Giga's contract where he's like, part of my purse goes to cancer, but here's the other thing. The commentators, no matter if it's kickboxing or MMA, they must filate me the best way possible verbally during the fight, no matter how the fight's going. I swear that's gotta be written into the contract, cause like it's just like he, he, he Giga would be clearly gassing, and they'd be like, oh, you know, uh, you know, he's worked a lot on his strength and conditioning since his uh, cardio criticisms. Uh, sure, he's slowing down now, but I, I think he's just managing his pace. Yeah, I think he's just waiting for his right moment, like. The gymnastics that commentators are just bending over backwards to make sure they can cup the balls while they get the, shat, the Giga shafts in their mouth is, is fucking amazing. I mean, it just, I really got to work on my stretching, guys. It is fucking, I mean, the way they fillet and suck him off, like, it is just like, it's, <laughs> you know, it's hard to speak with Giga's cock down my throat, but I really feel like he landed a hard kick there. Like, it is, it is ridiculous. Like, holy shit! And the judges too, because you thought the guy got some sketchy splits in MMA, which um, aren't as sketchy when you look back at them. Uh, the Davis one, uh, and you can even make the argument depending on what you what you see and what you value. Um, as far as when you go back and look, especially with the judging trends, as far as um, you know, and criteria goes. Yeah, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be overly critical, but, oh, my God. You go to his kickboxing, and there's just straight-up fights he fucking lost. I'm like, you fucking lost that fight, bro. Like, holy shit. He gets that rough. He, and, it's, and it goes down the same. He's got a strong first round, and he looks still dangerous in the beginning of the second, but by the end of the second, he looks like a different fighter. And he's just kind of surviving, and he will explode. And he's game. He's super athletic, uh, even though he looks kind of like, like a, you know, awkward birdman kind of a dude with weird mechanics, but it's super strong athletic and explosive. It's just kind of more of a jank uh, athletic, which probably has to do with that more Goju Ryu um, hard soft style, obviously preferring more of the hard attacks uh, with what he uh, with the uh, part of martial arts that he decided to dive into, right? And The the competitive combat side of it, right? Um, Goju Ryu, for those who don't know, kind of Notes itself as the more harder soft style, um, and and not a point karate. I've heard him refer to that too, and he's he's not a point karate. In fact, he shows a lot of his goju ryu, uh, even though he can do some in and out stuff. It's more distance management, and it, it, you know you see it in his. He's got more of those karate style counter crosses uh, from both stances that are pretty darn accurate and worth watching for here. By the way, um, but it's not like the wonder boy leaping in and leaping out, the Kenpo karate and sport karate or American karate. Uh, depending on how you want to phrase it or say it. It's the kind of stuff that I did, essentially, right? Um, It's a different style. Um, It's... You know, it's, again, more of the hard style, heavier set style. Shotokan, something I would refer to as a heavier set style. Um, That's Machida, and Machida can still do the in and out, though. Um, And, again, what Machida's doing, even in that version of the in and out, it's not like what is doing, so... Uh, Uh, A lot of that lazy um, karate analysis, and I wouldn't even tell tell, my karate analysis isn't anything special, but my god, am I just reminded by like when I hear other people's karate analysis, or you know, uh, you know, uh, I don't even want to talk about karate combat right now, all right, but um, we'll just uh, yeah. anyways who the fuck cares you know you know someone else talked to like on twitter some dude like ridiculous amount of YouTubers. i'm just like who the fuck is this like like was no tweet like oh kelvin must be some kind of karate master with the way he moves i'm like because he has a hopping because uh, he hops on the ball of his feet with a, a cadence that he's literally done since his first fight in the ufc but people acting like it's nebo. What the fuck do I know? Actual person who watches footage. Actual person who comes from karate background doesn't mean shit these days, or never they really never did. But you know, especially doesn't. It's what I'm learning. Um, but yeah, Chikatsu uh, doesn't do that. But he does show some tri- some um, some nods to his kind of more Goju Ryu style and more of these uh, you know more traditional set styles of uh, karate as far as like he'll throw the a couple body punches and then he'll come up high with a head kick despite you know standing not in kissing range but you know at a very close what you think would be non-kicking much less non-head kicking range but you go watch a lot you know you go watch a lot of uh you know the of 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 not point karate sparring of you know whether it's uh, goju Ryu or shotokan or different styles um you'll see that right where they're allowed to hit the body uh, and not go, you know, not like pancreas slapped at the head, but you know, it's, it, it's, it's go to the body, keep that the heads are open. Um, I'm trying to equate it to an MMA rule set, I guess, since this is an MMA show, but yeah, um, Chikotse shows more, uh, more nods to that. Not so much. He's actually improved a lot in his boxing, which is good, both in his head movement, head movement and, uh, his jab. Um, he still throws a lot of single shot variants and I know, uh, you know, you can find stuff in his kickboxing where he's throwing more shots, but that's a thing when kickbox, especially when they go to MMA, they limit their shot selection and Jakatsu that you can find moments where he's unleashing on, by the way, if you go follow these people, even in kickboxing are cans or people who like, didn't like, I feel like the Ken Tran guy, like he fought Roy McDonald. Yeah, but he didn't fight in like five years. He came off the couch just, like for that fight. Um, or they fight other guys who were like three and five and on like a three fight knockout losing streak before they fought Giga. In other words, all the can matchmaking that he's pretty much got almost his whole way in MMA, um, he he was getting that in kickboxing too, if not worse with the way, uh, the things that kickboxing, uh, sometimes get away with. So, um, yeah, it, he, he, um, even in kickboxing, when he, when he starts to throw more than two strikes was when he got either got into trouble or put himself in position to be in trouble slash bad spots. Um, that is doubly true, I believe, in MMA uh, because of the smaller gloves, the takedown threats, so on and so forth. So he really almost sticks to more of that T-more value style single slash one-two shot, one-two setup shot uh, variants. So, uh, you know, it's either one shot or one shot to set up an immediate other. Um, uh, uh type of sequencing um of course the giga kick the liver kick the, his left power kick to the liver he can uh with his weird mechanics it actually works really well as far as disguising that jank disguising the question mark to go up top um and he's also seen to be fond of calf kicks in his last few fights from the orthodox stance especially which uh is actually relevant here because Good leg kickers doesn't mean they can't be kicked. Not everybody is Jose Aldo. Um, and Barbosa, uh, even though he is one of the best leg kickers in the sport like Jose, he is not as defensively sound as Jose, obviously, but not even in his own uh, arena of the leg kicks. He actually takes them at a high clip as well as Giga. Um, Giga's never check kicks well either, though, which is another thing I noticed. Even in kickboxing, we didn't have to worry about the takedowns. I literally saw him maybe check two kicks and I watched everything I could possibly f- scour the internet for on Giga multiple times to some fights and maybe two checks. He either gets out of the way or decides to eat it and counter. Um, and that could be fine, but if he can't put Barbosa away, you know, Barbosa can be rocked here and there for sure, which is why many people like surmise and to a losing percentage people have surmised that he's, he's had chin problems. And I was more on that board when he dropped down officially. And I got away speeding by, by fading him there against Ige. But, you know, make make no illusion. With my bias aside, I can readily admit that that was a close fight that should have gone to Barbosa's way. If I'm being completely honest, am I happy? Did I pick Ige? Yeah. Am I happy for Ige and his team? Fuck yeah. Am I happy for my bet? Fuck, fuck yeah. But, uh, you know, if you look at it, um, especially body damage something that I always preach. And I'm going to keep that same energy, and Barbosa should have won. Uh, but, of course, judges, they completely missed Ige uh, hurt to the body. Um, and instead of getting knocked down for it, he did the smart thing where he kind of did a, a guard pull. So to the judges, it, he bullshitted him enough to make it look like he he meant to do that. Um, but if you knew what you were watching, he got hurt there, and that should have sealed the round if you weren't already scoring that one for Edson, I believe. Um, uh, but I'm not trying to relitigate that or anything. But just the point is that Edson... He went against a lot of people, even people that were uh, fans of his his, uh, expectations, because he kind of did an Aldo in a sense where his pace management, he actually made the way A a lot easier than we all thought, and his pace management and composure has actually gotten better later in his career, and either shows to be more diverse and or to just reincorporate the diverse tools that we hadn't seen in a while. For Barbosa, more so just incorporating the boxing and focusing on those layers, showing different setups to his right hand, uh, which has always been potent off the counter, as I see it being potent off the counter here. Plenty of people have countered Giga's leg kicks. He likes to counter kicks, but plenty of people have countered Giga's leg kicks and kicks in general with right hands. And left hands in general seem to get through at a high percentage, both against southpaw and orthodox fighters. And what uh, left hooks really have... Uh, chewed up giga a lot in the kickboxing they might you know uh you might have still won the fights or this or that but left hooks got there a lot and what's barbosa's best punch His left hook and or arguably now maybe his right hand slash counter right hand i think those are going to be able to do the trick maybe he could if anyone's going to land a spin kick here it's also going to be barbosa uh, especially against taller fighters when they get tired and we've seen barbosa like wrestle to death in round three Um, hit both Khabib to lesser effect granted, and Kevin Lee, which put him on skates. Um, In fights, he was getting dominated and losing in ways that Chikazi won't do. Um, Barbosa not only gets the chin thing, perhaps unfairly uh, lobbied on him, but also cardio uh, thing unfairly lobbied on him. I think it's just because he he looks tired, but he fights tired so well, and he just kind of gets on his bike. He does his like Edson shuffle, and he shows to recover really well now in close rounds that could be bad because we've seen body language kind of like jacore susan other brazilian there who was who getting older and would really kind of gas with his body language and we've seen fighters lose rounds to body language alone that is a real thing whether you or i agree with it right um so that could be dangerous but as far as like the overall busy striker and you know guys who leave marks i know chikadzi is a can be busy and leave some marks but uh Barbosa does too and Barbosa does for longer. Now the dangerous part is early, obviously because Giga, like I said with his gas tank he is most dangerous within those first two rounds that's his points to win. but also because Barbosa even though like even with that Justin Gagey fight, you think that like oh he got caught cold or whatever and he did and he went out cold right but um you forget like he actually did have some good um, check hooks that he he, he ate uh, he nailed uh, Gagey with um obviously they weren't enough and gaichi uh, hit him with that perfect right hand right as he faded into it um and it's just freaking gaichi right um but uh so barb. the point is that Barbosa does start slow and that's where he can be stopped but it's not like he's out of sorts completely either like even in his worst performances he's still doing good stuff um so but that is the danger zone because of his you know kind of that's where he's getting his timing and that's where Chikadze comes out most hot however with Chikadze perhaps fear of gassing him perhaps fear of the fight going longer maybe he goes out comes out a little easier which makes things complicated perhaps uh on reads especially if you're playing unders or certain unders right um now you met may, perhaps maybe you lose a round and a half off Chikadze not doing that fast start right um and Chikadze also perhaps puts himself more on the board to space out and win some rounds and then maybe survive if Edson can't put him out, as part of me was thinking decision. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, when Shikadze gets hit, hit, hit hard, he has this like emotional thing where he loves to return. He feels like he has to return. And he's kind of an emotional fighter because, again, a guy who's just traditional martial arts, you know, um, discipline, respect, uh, the knockout cancer thing, you listen to the guy talk, He's like, happy and jovial, but when he's in there, man, and I know fighters have to be, and I get it, I'm not criticizing him, so don't take it the wrong way, but this guy's like, not just mean, as you need to be, he's kind of an asshole in there. Like, he's like, doing all the, he's doing all the eye rakes, blatant fence grabs, um, he's doing all the fouls, he's like, getting in fighters' faces, like, he's like, pushing people off of clench breaks when he gets, frust- He get, when he loses, he gets frustrated. Um, which happened even in fights that he won but should have lost in kickboxing. Like you see him getting frustrated. Uh he doesn't like the clench break, so he shoves guys on the clench break like extra just to be an asshole. I'm like, Jesus dude, you come off like a fucking dick. And I get it, you're ultimate pass, you're a fighter. While you're fighting, you have to be. If that's your thing, do it. But, you know, I'm just I'm also I'm just gonna call it like I see it. You look like a dick. Not even just like competitively mean or hyping it up. Like it looks like a dick. Um but yeah, um, <laughs> like tactics, breaks, uh, headbutts, yeah. And I wrote poor sport, question mark. I don't know. Um, although when he did win, you know, the close decision that Jamal Emirzi showed a lot of respect to Jamal which Jamal, which we'll get to. Uh, <laughs> easy Sean, um, but yeah, uh, you know, so I, I don't know if he's, he's a poor sport or anything, but he's emotional in fights, and that's not good in a five round fight with uh, Edson Barbosa, who's. Tried and true, he's tested. Um, and unless he knocks Edson out in that first 10 minutes, uh, I don't think it happens, I think. Even if he gets out of round one, his chances disproportionately go down. In fact, Giga Chikotsi, he's never gotten a finish outside of round one in MMA. Um, he's gotten a couple in kickboxing, but again, these were against really, really bad fighters who are overmatched, cans, already hurt, etc. Um... You know, but uh, but yeah, Chikadze also is pretty tough, though, too. Uh, so, like, part of me could see him, like, digging it out, maybe, and my under as I played the under. Um, 4.5. Minus 130. Um, I think that's the angle here, whether you're playing Chikazhi, uh, I think you hedge it with that, or you're playing Barbosa especially, because Barbosa is more likely to win by decision. So you play Barbosa straight I'm going to look to... Mm, If I can get something close to my even, minus 115 line, um, then that's good coverage for me. Because then if Barbosa loses, it'll probably be by KO under the 4.5. Covered there. And if it goes to decision and the under fails, well, Barbosa's probably the winner. So I'm covered there. Or Barbosa wins and knocks him out like I think so in round three, like I said in my breakdown, with a right-hand, left-hook return. Um, As Barbosa's been able to get round three stoppages in those fashions before, um... And uh, he just says he looks like shredded and insane, like uh, even more so. Um, Just his interview, he just sounds, uh, he doesn't sound burnt out like it's another day, like a guy with his resume, like he knows what this fight is, this is his title run, Um, you know, how he's been looking since dropping that first fight, which, you know, you could arguably say, you know, again, he's undefeated at featherweight. Um, He's only two years older. Then Giga Chikotsi miles Giga has been fighting since he came out of the wound right I mean how many miles does he have right uh, and by the way Barbosa, if you go to his kickboxing record which I'm sure there are some cans in there too but um, he's got a pretty uh what is it in front of me it's like he it's like 25 and three with 22 by knockout opposed to Chikaty 38 and six with 22 by knockout so um, yeah Higher knockout percentage for Barbosa. Because he just has that insane power. Uh, I am a little bit worried about the calf kicks. and People have been able to kick Barbosa a lot. And commentary made a big deal of it. Um, But it's hard to tell if any kicks have ever really affected his legs. So there's that. But the jab's worrisome because Giga throws it as a power jab. We've seen a rock with a jab before, but I want people to be careful about that because I think we've seen enough people get robbed by jabs at this point to understand that as people get better at throwing the strike slash noticing that when this happens, if you notice, fighters tend to not have their eye on the ball and they're moving into it. So there's more factors than just getting simply hit with a jab that go into that. Um, but yeah, that is definitely a, a worry that Giga's been getting better with that tool because It's fundamentals over the flash that makes everybody like jizz their pants and suck Giga's cock for. Um, but yeah, I know a long breakdown of the fight, but I, I really went in and watched. I even went and watched old Barbosa stuff, like I watched Ninja Kwani, um, as those were two of the two of the uh people you could um. You know, kind of parallel, although those fights are both five and ten years away, respectively. Uh, And then I watched his relevant stuff, too, of course, his last featherweight, or his last lightweight fights into his, all his featherweight fights, so. And then I watched everything possible, MMA and kickboxing for Chikadze. So, does that mean I'm going to be right? No, Uh, but the play is the under, and I'm I'm, going to probably play Edson as well. Uh, It's plus 180 on both sides, if you like any of those inside the distance. Um... But yeah, all right. Next fight. Um, I'll be fast because I'm. I, I don't. As you know, Dan Tom does not watch tough. Um, I don't know if it was Aaron or who. Someone saying it was our job, but I'm. This is too much fucking MMA. All right, let's relax. Fucking. If I go back, I just watch the fights. If anything, but even that, I didn't do. And it's like you're not watching the. Th- these are low sample size fighters. I'm like, I'm reading some of the biographies, and I forget. I'm like. What the fuck? Not so much that this guy doesn't have ranks or anything like this, but he said something. I'm like, how old is he? he sounds like just a kid. I'm like, oh, he's 22 years old. Like the average age for people on this fucking show. Like, uh, these are such unproven fighters, and they're not even fighting to their unproven potentials because they're in the house. So like, what is it going to tell us? And I'm going to waste my time for fights I'm not going to be caught dead betting on because it's, it's really not smart unless you have an inside track. The fuck? You gotta, you know, the UFC is forcing our hand. It is not our fault for not, uh, this is not work that we're not doing. It Unless it's your dedicated beat is tough, then you're not doing the work. Um, my dedicated beat, like I say on the beginning of every show, is breaking down high level MMA. And um, yeah. There's enough that's getting passed off for that these days that I don't need to I don't need to make uh, exemptions for anymore. No offense, they will have plenty. These fighters will have plenty of chances to prove themselves for the shitty contracts. They'll be rewarded. Relax, people. They'll get their due, their day I should say, not their due. Um, but yeah, uh, Brian Battle minus 158, Gilbert Urbina plus 134. I-, I looked at these guys' profiles like two or three times, and even just before getting on here, and I already forgot it. Uh, Dunbar's number, people. Um, I will go with Brian Battle because I've battled. I fucking battled. Yeah. I've battled. I battled. Yeah. Shots of the Art of Drowning EP. Uh, AFI A- 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 shot when they were still good. I'll go with him over Urbina. Um, Brady, highest stand, which is funny because I think one of these fighters, um, it was probably Brian Battle, actually. Brian Battle actually goes from stand I think, North Carolina. Uh, but Brady Highestand, um, I don't know what he does. I just read his thing, too. Uh, I'm just pretty sure that Ricky Tercios, who is a uh, Dragon Ball Z fan, I'll go with him. I know he's a popular pick, too, popular kid. But, uh, you know, he's got a black belt in Taekwondo, some uh, I think a brown belt, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I want to say. He's well-rounded, minus 166. Uh, Brady 10, plus 140. Yeah, I'll take a, uh, By the way, in his profile, now he not put. He puts Dragon Ball Z, and then he puts Vegeta. And I respect him for putting Vegeta. I don't think Vegeta gets a lot of shouts. You know, he's got the receding hairline, so he's not cool, which, you know, immediately makes you know, a hipster f- person like myself a fan of his. And uh, Vegeta, you know, he's super technical. I think you know, hipster and you know, analyst like myself would appreciate a Vegeta. He's got a wide variety of attack, real technical attacks. Right. Remember when he's fucking up the Ginyu Force. Wow, Dan, you're really nerding out right now. I'm just saying. I got some love, uh, you know, for the Dragon Ball Z. Although, I still feel like those Nameks were a bunch of pedos. I mean, between uh, between Piccolo and Gohan, that whole weird...
1: Mr. Piccolo and Gohan.
0: And even what was that one? That one, that father Namek, the dying Namek on Planet Namek, the big fat one, he had the little... Uh, the little sex slave kid, Dende. Dende! Jesus, damn, what version of Dragon Ball Z did you watch? I don't know, listen. The Japanese are crazy, man. And so are those Namek's, apparently. Uh, anyways, before I go <laughs> down that rabbit hole, ruining your childhood favorites, hopefully Tercios isn't listening. But, uh, yeah, I'll take side though. Um, Kevin Lee, minus 156, versus uh, D- Daniel Rodriguez, plus 132. Uh, D. Rod, which I'm pretty sure is just talking about his penis. There, <laughs> funny note. Um, uh, I, I, I replayed. Uh, I replayed uh, the Thick Willy fight for my girlfriend, and uh, as soon as like Thick Willy does his backflip, which by the way he was in backflip midair for so long that my girlfriend was able to see it and respond to it and get the sentence out before he landed, and she was just you well know, not for sentence, but she just goes, "Oh my God, Free Willy!" And then William Knight finally landed back on the floor. But um when I told her the D rod thing the last time he fought, uh we were watching those fights together, I believe, and he he knocks out my guy, Preston Parsons, and my girl just goes, I oh, gave him the rod So the fact that she gets the immature penis humor makes her a keeper on that front. Uh again, it's the little things, folks. It's the little things. <laughs> speaking of that uh d-rod is a live dog though don't uh don't make any assumptions there um he is a live diggity dog uh and, and I was tempted to go with him he uh he he's coming off of facing a multiple south paws or training for south right uh let me pull it up in my in my head uh right here where is it yeah um he just fought Preston parsons I believe' south Southpaw. uh no south boss uh parsons uh, uh sorry he is the south ball he fought uh, you know guys who can you know uh you know around that 5'9", nine uh five nine five ten power frame that can go for takedowns uh, against the fence um so we kind of got those looks already right um and his takedown percentage has improved from Dwight Grant dalby Perry to parsons it looks like he switched camps there to Syndicate, so now he's training in Vegas, full, uh, looks like full time, and it looks like he you know did some active rest, went on a hike on Zion, but pretty much was back at the gym, so he doesn't cut a ton of weight again. He actually was a former lightweight too, uh, although I don't know how former Lee is, we'll see after this fight. I'm still not sold up as a, as a welterweight, but I did pick Lee here, uh, not because of the extreme couture bias, so that's where he is training. Um, he does look in great shape, but it's hard because he's, he's coming off injuries, right? So that's the wild card here. I'm not sure how he's going to do. But at the same time, Daniel Rodriguez, uh, this is kind of the reasoning for a dog pick um, that I went with later and, and, a lot, and a lot of my picks that I make, which is essentially the better on-paper wrestler and the better on-paper submission grappler inside of the smaller octagon. It's a pretty solid angle that doesn't always win, but would, is a logical reasoning. That I would argue, gun to the head. I'd say wins more than it loses. Um, so for what that's worth. But uh, also, um, Kevin Lee, for whatever it's worth, four and one against UFC level southpaws. Of course, I'm including Kyle Preplik and the one he did lose to was, of course, Rafael Dos Anjos, who again was also a, a, a former lightweight or a guy who could go between both. But RDA, of course, former world champion, presented a black belt, underrated wrestler. So on and so forth, Um, but his Rodriguez is striking has really stepped up since the regional scene. Does some really good boxing, you know. That Kevin Lee himself said in in uh, his interview with uh, Aaron B on TSN was like saying he's got that Mexican boxing style that I don't do well against, and it's kind of scary to hear him admit that. But um, you know, admit that he also kind of underestimated who he thought Daniel Rodriguez was. Um, People on the street been telling him who D Rod is. Uh, whatever that means, but, uh, but, uh, he is, you know, the four and one against UFC Southpaws, um, fuck, what was I going to say? Sorry, I'm going to try to push this, um, he is, uh, this is also a stylistic thing, so not, not just the, the grappling in the smaller cage, but styles, style wise is, Who's faced this style more? Oh, yeah, I was talking about boxing. Sorry, sorry, boxing. So that's a little worrisome because Daniel Rodriguez does stuff like L-steps and he can walk you into stuff and counters. And he does some of his best best punches off the back foot. Even when he's kind of parallel and square and his back's against the cage, like he can still generate uh, power and accuracy in, enough to be really dangerous. And that's definitely a worry against a guy who's going to be looking to push his back to the fence and Kevin Lee, right? So Kevin Lee is going to have to watch out for knockouts there. Daniel Rodriguez appears to do, has got underrated balance and takedown defense, understanding, uh, seems to have a good feel for his hips, etc. But I would feel like he does more guillotine threats than like straight up wrestling fundamentals. Like, you know, you don't really see him push down the head or limp leg or um, for a double Like He knows what underhooks is and to spread his base. But I also see him drop down for guillotines or just threaten for guillotines and work or not work. So that'll be interesting. I know Lee can be susceptible to throwing front front choke threats, but he's got to be hurt and or tired. And with it being a third a three round fight, um, I think he he he'll he'll be tired by toward the end if he doesn't get a finish. But I don't think he'll be tired enough to fall into submission. I think you got to worry about him more being clubbed and subbed if he does get subbed, um, because he definitely will get clubbed at. That's the question: Is Daniel Rodriguez going to hit him? And Rodriguez again underrated, better than you think. Uh, 10th Planet Purple Belt, for whatever that's worth. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he also is technically the one taking this fight on short notice. He also is never technically fought a wrestler, much less a wrestler, on that level. You know, uh, Preston Parsons and Mike Perry were the best takedown threats. Uh, Preston Parsons, who most of y'all n- probably never heard about, most submission threats. Well, he fought Tim Means. Tim Means got you know underrated ground game. Um, but he, you know, he, he guillotined him, right? But uh, again, um, Tim means even though he he does actually try to wrestle more than he gets credit for. Uh, again, not a wrestler, uh, even though he's underrated in that department. Um, so yeah, you know, I I feel like a Rod, it's fifty to fifty if it wins, he, he has to finish most of the time, so it's either finish or bust for him more than likely. Although I could see a scenario where D. Rod wins a decision. Where, you know, they're not rewarding Kevin Lee for his takedowns and they're crediting his back takes as just positional changes, which that's where we start to get in arguable territory depending on what else happened in the round and other contexts, at least for me. Um, but I you know, again, damage is the number one criteria as it should be and as it should be followed. So there there are some paths there for D Rod, but it's pretty much a dogger pass slash finisher bust for D Rod and dogger pass from, from a betting perspective. Good luck if you're playing the dog um, you shouldn't be playing with a favorite, but I am going to pick Lee again. 4-1 against Southpaws, better grappler, submission grappler, wrestler in the small cage. And who's faced what style more of? Who's seen more of who? Kevin has seen more than Rodriguez. Kevin has also seen more of what Rodriguez brings than what uh, Lee will bring to Kevin. Um, even in that syndicate group of the pictures he posts, I don't see any like standout wrestlers that compare right with Kevin Lee, so not saying there's not just saying any recognizable ones from the stuff that D-Rod has posted so my pick is Kevin Lee and I stayed away Um, Andre Petroski minus 560 I guess he grew up doing uh, karate and wrestling but also has a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu purple belt I believe whereas Michael Gilmore plus 420 man Uh, more of looks like a karate kickboxing background so I'll go with uh, Petroski as the big favorite no nothing uh, apparently he's like the one team Ortega guy, I think. Alright, next fight. Mahmoud Murdoff, minus 620. Gerald Mearshart, plus 460. I think I submitted Murdoff for staff picks, which bums me out, because I'm a big Gerald Mearshart fan. Even I know he follows me too, but even before that, big GM3 fan. Um, so I'm going to be rooting for him here. I'll probably sprinkle it on him for the shits of it, because that line is stupid wide and hope that Gerald fucking catches a sub or something, but even in the small cage, I feel like a guy that moves around, like Murdoff and his discipline like that, is on paper probably one of the worst stylistic matches for Gerald, unfortunately, so even with my bias, as much as I want to pick him, I, I still have to be honest there and pick Murdoff. but you best believe my heart is with Mirchart, and if I sprinkle on anybody, it's going to be Mirchart. Um, I stayed away from this one. Um, but I am going to bring in a guest to, uh, you know... Uh, to talk about this fight really want to talk about this fight um you know if it's popular we'll see if we can get these kind of guest breakdown segments sometimes these people they tend to drop by and uh you know i figured it's kind of crazy to talk to them and they usually say really wacky shit when they're on this show and why not um you know why not see what they think about fights and uh you know um you know, between uh, W—I don't know if it's and uh, G's uh, purchase of the UFC—but there's been a lot more celebrity involvement um, with these UFC fights and voices. And uh, well, basically, folks, I got—I got, um, uh, got sliced alone here. He wanted to break down a fight. I, I said, pick any fight. And well,
1: Sly, uh, I'm gonna hand it over to you. Hey, hey, thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. You know, that's, that's very kind. That's very kind. Kind intro, the truth is, uh, you know, IMG stuff aside, you know, uh, Dana White's got some pictures of one of my uh, coffee table parties. So, you know, let's just say I, g- I got to represent. Uh, but yeah, I love fights. I used to, uh, I used to box as Racky. And, uh, you know, I like Shot here. You know, like, like Racky, Shart's a southpaw. He's American. And he's, uh... He's fighting a Russian. Uh, Sly Murdoch's actually a Uzbekistanian. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) I mean, I better not say that. I used to get my ex-wife Bridget Nielsen mad when, uh, you know, I used to call her Uzbekistanian. Bridget Nielsen
0: the actress, Sly? Yeah. She's Danish.
1: No shit. Oh. I wonder why she never left. Anyways... I like meershot here. You know, you say he's the biggest dog, but I got a little bit of a dog in me, you know. Sly likes Sly likes the dog, and uh, I like Mearshart here. He seems like a good guy. He plays the saxophone. You know, maybe, uh, you know, I, I saw that viral video, to be honest, that's why I'm aware of Gerald. He had his shirt off. You know, Sly likes that, you know. As Sly, I I think that, you know, I think that Meershot would be, you know, in that form, would be a perfect fixture of one of Sly's... One of Sly's coffee table parties with a glass. You know, Sly likes to crawl up underneath. We know what you do, Sly. We don't need to go We don't need to go down that hill here. So you're picking Mearshart. What are you are you picking him by submission, Sly? By
0: knockout? What's what's the pick, you know? Uh Muradoff's backed back by Mayweather, you know?
1: No, I don't like Mayweather. You don't? I, I don't wanna get in I wanna get in trouble, you know. Sly. Sly says a lot of things. He gets Sly into the trouble these days, so we oughta wanna back off of that. All right, so you're taking you're taking Mearshart.
0: Okay, all right, thanks, Sly. Um, on that note, let's get let's get your ass out of here, Sly. I uh I don't I don't, uh, don't want to take off any of your time. I know you got a hard out. <laughs> yeah, hard out is right. You know what else is hard, Sly? Let's not talk about your HGH regiment. You are sounding much better. Uh, maybe we'll get you back on for another one in case uh you know in case uh in case. <laughs>
1: In case you didn't already upset the audience, you know what my fight of the night is,
0: Sean. Not now. We're, we're gonna get to. We're gonna get to that one. We're gonna get to that one. All right. Sorry about that, folks. Um, Connery's taking. Not Connery. Jesus Christ. The loan's taking short. I got murdered off. We'll
1: see. I should attach the bets to these. You know. You know.
0: All right. Let's go. Um we got Alessio DiCirico, minus 230, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, plus 190. Um, wow, let's see. Yeah, I, I'm taking DiCirico here, but I'm not as confident as the line. Like, you can never bet Al-Hassan. I think everybody's finally learned that because it's just like everyone got burned at him being an over- Uh, Inflated favorite, and you got to bet the one round KO prop because that's how he gets it done, anyways. And you realize if he doesn't get it done that way, you're effed. But in his defense, he's deceptively, for a guy that gasses and is like done after round one, he's deceptively tough and hard to get out of there. So part of me feels like he could get like a 10 8 uh, against DeCherico in round one and then, uh, you know, lose 10 9s the other one for a draw. Now, I don't think I've ever officially picked a draw. And I'm not going to here. My pick's going to be Decherico by decision. But if Rizak gets a 10-8 and Decherico survives, you know, again, um, you might want to hit the draw line. Sometimes they're late on adjusting that. But I-, I never play draw lines ever, rarely ever, but I may actually sprinkle on this one. I don't know why. I just got one of those weird feelings. Um, that and... Um, you know, seeing DeCherko as a favorite, this big kind of sketches me out. Yeah, he's almost over a dollar than what he opened at. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, first, the two dog official dog plays are up. Uh, Wellington Turman minus 136, Sam Alvey plus 116. Yeah, when I was saying there's out cold and there's out cold family guy style, I was re- referring to Wellington Turman and his like last knockout. Um, maybe even his last two, he just went flat dead, like family guy style, like, uh, Bahamundes, uh, his opponent of the contender series, uh, like that guy went out family guy style, um, Chan Sun Jung, when he got elbowed by Koreans, uh, uh by Yair Rodriguez, uh, he went out family guy style and so did Termin, who is two and two against UFC level Southpaws. Um, of course the two Southpaws he beat, he out grappled and were grapplers, And or were grapplers themselves like Marcus Perez who does do spinny stuff for striking but of course he just fights in imitations so you really can't get much from that Um, although at the time I wanted to think that he earned it from uh, Carl Roberson but uh, I don't disagree with that decision especially damage and criteria that he should have lost that and of course his other one that he won which I didn't see uh, Marcelo Alessandre who uh, flunked out of the UFC from the tough series Um, is technically the other UFC level southpaw he did beat and of course he got knocked out by Bruno Silva who is a southpaw granted that was grounded pound Um, which was also troubling because he ended up trying to grapple and he ended up on bottom and was okay with that right and when you look at Sam Alvey not only is it you know from a stylistic perspective difficult because Terman is an aggressive Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt who is dependent on getting things to the ground slash dependent on getting things to the ground via a body lock clinch which is Alvi's specialty in Wheelhouse being a um, Team Quest fighter slash... I think he's the captain now. Um, he's always been good in the clench. He's always had a high uh, above average, uh, above 80 percentile takedown defense rating. And even when he is taken down, if you look at like the majority of those fights from beginning to the end of his UFC career, not all of them, but the majority, even though the guys who take him down and or take him down more than him and or take him down when Alvi isn't credited with a single takedown... If you look at who has more control in top time, it's Alvi. It's because a lot of guys end up on bottom trying to take him down and or end up on bottom and getting finished, a la Dylan Andrews, um, who had that happen to him, right? We're talking about that reverse of the Terman there. Um, <clears throat> so it's very deceptive there. And looking at the way Terman throws, he retract- he keeps his left hand low before and after throwing and retracts it slow. He pretty much is asking for right hooks right hands in general um every point every right hand from any stance is pretty much hit him like there's not a right hand that his style does not invite and alvy's a southpaw but we know that he mainly does he can knock people out with his left hand sure it's a good follow-up shot and it's a good shot off the attack but coming forward or off the counter it's that right hook that really makes that money and i know alvy's coming he's oh five and one um but he really looked in the shape of his life when he went back down to middleweight finally for Julian Marquez, and I know he got choked unconscious. But you forget he actually did really well in that fight. He was more aggressive than he normally was, all like a Woodley Luke situation. And except he really rocked, uh, and had stumbling and back. But he had Julian Marquez stumbling and backpedaling at the end of round one. Uh, so who knows what could have happened? You know. So it was dece- and I picked Marquez and. Uh, and, and cash there, but I'm just saying, you know, in, in Alvy's defense, um, it's not like he's shot and not fighting and not swinging, which he's not swung in multiple parts of his career because Alvy can be inconsistent like that, but the things he is consistent about that are hard-lined into a style, I believe could be kryptonite for a guy like Terman. So uh, I think Sam Alvy cashes, and I think by KO cashes, I played them both, KO by plus 300, uh, and I played inside the distance in another house at plus 275 since it was close enough. And it allowed for that prop. Um, I, I sprinkled just on those in, 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 each, in each house were available. And uh, as for my odds checker play, of course, I, I threw a unit down for plus 116 on Alvi. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, next fight. Uh, Dustin Jacoby minus 174. Darren Stewart plus 146. I wanted to do something with this. And this was another fight where, like, could I see a draw here too? I'm like, No, no. Because. Um, even though Jacoby probably won't, uh, he's durable, and um, <clears throat> uh, he's durable. But and could could get Stewart out of there. Uh, whereas Stewart, if he's in a position to earn a 10-8 on Jacoby, it's got to be like him full mounted throwing elbows, and at that point maybe he can just convince the ref to stop it, right? Um, so I don't think that routes there. Uh, all right, easy there 10-8 whisper or draw whisperer there. Um, But, uh, no, um, I do think it's going to be a greasy decision, though. That is going to be tight frames Um, because you're going to get a lot of Darren Stewart power shots and Darren Stewart pushing against the cage looking for takedowns against Jacoby. Now, granted, Darren Stewart isn't as tall or maybe even as experienced or as as talented uh, in that department as Maxim Grishin, who is a heavyweight to light heavyweight, whereas Stewart's a middleweight to light heavyweight swing. Um, and so is Jacoby technically, although Jacoby is a big, and I don't think he can ever make middleweight now, now he's like a fully light heavyweight guy, so I'm not sure how much success Stuart will have there, so I'm going to go with Jacoby, who I was looking to parlay with somebody, but I think it's going to be greasy, I couldn't find anybody I wanted to parlay with, I think all the chalk is a little too overinflated, we'll see, maybe I'll put something fun together where I string like three or four chalk pieces together, if I had Jacoby in there, I wouldn't need as many for value wise and for risk wise because again, this is going to be a, maybe slightly even closer than the odds layout. But I'm going to go with Jacoby here. Um, and the judges to reward his cleaner striking. Uh, JJ JJ Aldridge minus 360, Vanessa Demopolis plus 290. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with JJ Aldridge. Uh, She's the better striker. Demopolis obviously has competed in grappling as a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt, but Aldridge, no slats. She is a black belt herself as her leg dexterity from Taekwondo and black belt there translates into that black belt on the floor. I will take Aldridge. No strong read on the fight. Um, Stayed away, although she could be a parlay piece too. Um, Mana Martinez, minus 280. Guido Canetti, plus 230. I feel like it's funny. the The two times I've... The three times I've, I've I've gambled in Guido Canetti fights, two of them were to, for him to win, and were probably like his only two wins in the UFC. Um, and then the other one was an inside the distance play against him for against Kyung Ho Kang or by submission, and that cashed. So I'm really good with my Guido Canetti reads, for or against him. But uh, I didn't get too deep into this one. Manu, with Mano Martinez. I know Mano Martinez. I believe he recently lost his coach. He was one of the I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Under Sol Lees. So, you know, between what we saw with what happened to a lot of false fighters as well as Sean Tompkins fighters, um, you tend to see a lot of losses come from uh, an active coach um, abruptly being lost, which makes sense. Uh, I'm going to pick Manon Martinez. I was rooting for him on Contender Series. I'm going to root for him here, especially now, but, you know, that an intangible to watch out for. But, you know, Kennedy's a southpaw, but he's older, and he gets finished when he lo- loses a lot, so... Yeah, Pix Martinez. Uh, lastly, but not leastly, Jamal, my fight of the night. Sorry, I put you guys through that. Um, do anything to try to fucking cheer myself up and make, make this fun, because <laughs> I've been borderline wanting to walk away. Um, but Jamal Emers minus one fifty six. Uh, Pat Sabatini plus one thirty two. This is it's funny. All the fights I was looking at to play, I ended up playing. Like me and Aaron, sometimes we do this for fun when we like. I told you we like to talk after. Our pre-shows on Saturday before the fights, and we'll often, even though the fight fodder is starting, they're playing broadcast fodder, we'll like look ahead to the next week and talk about what we're looking at. Pretty much everything I'm looking at, I ended up playing here. Um, so it'll probably be no surprise if, if my guy's listening. Uh, but yeah, I went with, I ended up pulling the trigger on Pat Sabatini. I did do my due diligence on this one on both sides, though, even though uh, I figured as to, so, as to so why. Now, Jamal Embers deserves to be favorite. He is a longtime prospect for a reason. I love the experience he has. I would like to think that he's learning from it and turning a corner as he really showed to step up his pace in his last fight. Although he almost outpaced himself for a second like he was gassing too much and then had to manage it. Luckily enough, he was able to get the takedowns to manage that as his wrestling base has always been some kind of a base to his style, I would argue, even when he doesn't use it, Uh, which he's trending not to. He's starting to trend more towards the striking. And perhaps that's why I like Sabatini here. Um, If... Emmer's can keep his range, really, with anybody he's going to do well. Uh, Emmer's the only people he's proven to have problems with are people with size parity. Uh, That's who he's lost to and or had the hardest fights and to his own admission. He hates that. He really likes to be the taller guy, and he's insulated by that. And when guys do get in on him, it doesn't be too worried about being out grappled because he's very well-rounded. He comes from a wrestling base, and he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. However, Pat Sabatini is the more diverse, the more accomplished, and by the eye test, also, I believe, the more better wrestler. He is also the higher-ranked uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt under Daniel Gracie for whatever the F that's worth. Um, I say that not so much as the Gracie name, but because uh, Daniel Gracie, of course, trained Paul Felder, a lot of other fighters. He was more like, I guess, a Caesar Gracie, where he trains a lot of MMA fighters, so he's actually applying it for whatever that's worth, not just, you know, selling packages and geese and shit. Um... But uh, we'll see. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not trying to bump up Daniel Graves by saying that. I'm just saying that he's a he's a more higher ranked black belt Sabatini, and a Pan American champion competition black uh, black belt has actually competed and won. Um, so again, with that uh, that that formula that I like to go with: better wrestler on paper, wrestler better on paper submission grappler in the smaller cage. And even though Emmer's is the more experienced man, kind of like similar with um, Lee and Rodriguez, even though, again, complete opposite. It's dog or pass there. And same with here, by the way. It's just I'm on the dog, both picking and playing. Now, that's the only difference. The theory is the exact same where, again, Emmer's the more experienced guy, but when you look at actual wrestlers um, and submission fighters like that, like, Sabatini's fought more. I think Sabatini's even fought more jujitsu guys. Sabatini's fought Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts. He's submitted, out-grappled, out-positioned, beat, decisioned, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts, Judo black belts, Jiu-Jitsu black belts, um, as well as fellow wrestlers, albeit on a lower level. Uh, Whereas he I think he's always been the better wrestler. And I know he has more UFC wins, but it's like you're counting Jay Cuccinello. If you can't see it, I'm doing the Dan Tom Jerkoff gif. You're counting Chris Avila. Still doing that gif. Um, obviously Corey Sanhagen which is a good win but that was like so early in Sanhagen's career Sanhagen was competing outside of his weight division and yes Alexander Hernandez which I don't know how well that even looks these days and again like Corey Sanhagen Hernandez too was competing outside of his division as he obviously was too big for 45 which is where that fight took place uh, I haven't seen highlights for a while nor could I track down any but I can't even remember who did the wrestling either and it might have been Emmer's the one doing the wrestling who took away the split. So who knows if he even won with it being a split. Um, and again, um, you know, uh, we know that wrestling is, uh, uh, San Diego probably hate to hear this, but his his weakness, especially back then early in his career. Um, and, you know, what do you call? Uh, Hernandez can grapple and would earn a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, but he wasn't then. It was literally like their third fight apiece like in 2013, like almost nine years ago. Um, and those are his, his most credible, credible wins and closest things to talented grapplers. Um, Uh, let me see I don't want to miss something piss people off and again I'm not saying that he didn't face any good grapplers and anybody that he fought didn't wrestle in high school maybe even college but there's no names that pop out to me all the fights that I uh, was able to watch and track down it just you know and you look at um, his style uh, Emerge's style I, I think that having that wrestling advantage is an important insulation for him just like the reason why when he doesn't have the insulation of the striking edge and length that bothers him because he needs those advantages uh, you know his nickname's Pretty Boy. He's got his own version of Carolina, where he does his his, his 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 cute thing with the camera when it comes to him, right? But even though he's thirty-two, which by the way, folks, he's he's thirty-two. You forget that he's not like he's like this some he's he's young kid. Like Sabatini's the younger guy; he's thirty. But Jamal emmers comes off as much younger. There's almost like an immature thing. Not so much he's immature, but it's like he comes off as like. The young, the young veteran who's still young, but they're trying to act hard and older than, like... I don't want to even say this is, like, an insult to because I like Sergio. But it was like, early Sergio Pettis, and Sergio Pettis was obviously still kicking ass and doing well, like Jamal Emers winning more than he lost, obviously. But, like, you know, he really was thrown onto it young, and he was just like, you know... And except with Sergio, you know, he... You know... Aside from maybe that Caceres fight or something like that, like, he never really had mental breaks or really broke, you know, in fights, I don't think. So. Um, and um not saying Emmer's will, but he just seems like he's got that layer, like, perhaps he could be. You know, like, if you're confident to him, I think you can fuck him up. Um, and because he starts off fights confident, but if you really look at the body language of the fight itself, he has to find his way into fights a bit, you know, before he gets comfortable. Even his most recent, arguably, Turner... Co- turner a corner turning performance which can you really say that against a short notice bantamweight, who doesn't do anything than the things pat sabatini is going to do and vince cacero who again i think he was like a brazilian jiu-jitsu purple belt not a wrestler um but yeah he has to build himself into fights and pat sabatini a small bad habit i've seen of his um it, I know he had a bad look because he looked like he was getting tired and he was getting tired in his last fight against Tristan Connolly, and Connolly got a bad position uh, put him in a bad position toward the end there and that's actually a moment like that's actually happened in past fights in a past fight before Sabatini but I've also seen him do like four rounds straight at like a crazy tour like Khabib style wrestling pace and Khabib's one of his heroes by the way and has tried to incorporate a lot of his moves as time has went on Um, by the way um, he he you know, as far as that meta to get up meta and the wrist trapping and other things too, the way he chains off singles. By the way, also um, one of the few guys like Gamrot that will actually work off that low single, which if he doesn't run into a knee from Emmers, I think will work great with Emmers' long legs and long stance. He can reach down for that low single and chain. Uh, and we're going to see if Emmer's can defend takedowns, and then I think that his jabs and leg kicks are going to piece Sabatini up because of the reach difference, and Sabatini doesn't look like... He- Looks like A, he's heavy on that front leg, and and B, does not check or defend the front leg well. So look for uh, Jamal uh, to get off that way. Well, I'll get off that way, Jamal. Easy Connery. Um, but uh, if he's not able to, if he's not able to defend the takedowns, or if he's not able to deter the grappling, then I think Savatini is just an animal. And for three rounds, he can either dog out a really greasy decision, or get the submission. Um, I, I know Emers hasn't been submitted for a minute from Guard Sabatini. Uh, he's really active from his back. Not just, again, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, Daniel grace Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, Pan-American champion Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, but, you know, and again, I'm not trying to, like, stand the Danaher guys or anything like that, believe me. But he is an avid Danaher, death squad, uh, leg locker dude as far as, like, following... And, and, and implying those, so it's not just a jiu-jitsu guy, he's a jiu-jitsu guy that wrestles you know, and not all jiu-jitsu guys that wrestles or he's not just a jiu-jitsu guy, but he's a jiu-jitsu guy that goes for leg locks, and even though it's becoming much more popular, there's still a lot of jiu-jitsu guys, especially in MMA, that don't do slash never had the time for leg locks, so the fact that he checks all three of those boxes and again, even though Emers is the more experienced fighter and deserves to be the favorite, specifically that style, we've not seen him uh, answer that call and we're in the small cage um... I can't help but go with it. I feel like this is a dogger pass spot. I feel like Jamal Emmers absolutely deserves to be the favorite, but I also believe that this is a dogger pass spot, regardless of the result, um, because both guys are starting to look to turn the corners. And even though I don't expect Sabatini to knock him out or get uh, anything crazy done on the feet, Sabatini um, has shown that he can counter jabs and like throw a, a a pretty good counter right hand. And looks like power, you know, he's only got two knockout wins, but looks like the power is starting to come later in his career. Not so much with the results, although although you could, I guess, make that argument. There's not enough information there. More than his technique, which makes sense. He's more comfortable. His technique's looking crisper from both stances as he's starting to show southpaw looks. And when he does go southpaw, he'll either throw a left high kick, or when he's orthodox, um, kind of like Giga, you know, throw the power side from southpaw. Or when he does throw spin stuff, um, he'll throw from orthodox. Because he has also a black belt as well in Tang Sudo, which is... Um, kind of like, like taekwondo probably more closer to like the traditional martial art it's based off it's hard all the martial arts kind of got um you know bastardized and militarized or sport if that's even a word with the taekwondo more popular um korean martial art right at least to americans uh teng sudo i had some friends that did that one um i wasn't quite as familiar personally shout out to my guy kevin sanders who was a- one of my main training partners on Black Belt and that. But yeah, needless to say, he's familiar with spinning stuff too. And he's surprisingly accurate, even though he doesn't throw it that that committed. It doesn't commit to him that much. Um, I do say those two things is because they attack the same side of the head, the right side of the head, which Jamal Emers has a really bad habit of drifting that way. He got knocked out by uh, Bueller, uh, Julian Arosa, Cameron from Ferris Bueller, aka on the Contender Series because he leaned that way. And I don't know if he's learned from that because both against Chikadze and uh, and against uh, Cachero, um, he was getting tagged uh, by left by left hooks by drifting into that that side, and he also got tagged by counter right hand, a real similar one that actually I've seen um, Sabatini throw. Chikadze actually stunned him with two in their fight. Uh, for whatever that uh, for whatever that's worth, again Jamal Emers is a deserved favorite. If he can keep it at range, he should be able to piece Sabatini up to a decision. But at these odds, um, I played Sabatini at plus 130, which is technically above the plus 125 he opened at. And I sprinkled on Sabatini by submission, which opened at plus 500. Um, I got that in one house. I'm waiting to see if it goes back up to that in another before I pull the trigger. Otherwise, I'll just take a plus 450, I guess. But I really would like the plus 500 for a submission prop, to be honest, as a minimum. Um... Unless it's some a lot more of an obvious one, uh, but uh, again, Sabatini, you know we, we got to see how Emers gets up because in scrambles he's turtle to his base, which will give Sabatini a back take. Or this guy's really wicked, Sabatini from a front headlock, and that's what I'm curious about because not even enough guys have been able to wrestle Emers effectively enough to get him to scramble. So, you know we got to see him against the style. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the dog money in the small cage for that um all right wow how do we do on time how do we do on time 127. This was not expedited wow all right sorry about the stallone impression that was stupid um it's late folks i'm delirious what are you gonna do it's better than me bitching right all right we're gonna go from top to bottom again um real quick Um uh, oh uh one thing another thing i wrote here um i wrote uh emers iq and inflation um, he's made some also poor IQ stuff. Is another reason why I went with this. Like he grappled when his team thought he needed the finish, uh, which he ended up needing the finish. Um, uh, he didn't grapple when it was obvious and the takedown was there. Um, when he, when he when he did uh grapple like uh, strikers like a ch- ch- Chikadzi and and like, you know, even though you can make the argument they still should have won that fight or whatever. Um, like, you know th- the fact is. He came on slow and didn't uh, grapple enough when the clear advantage was there. Um, And he's done that in a lot of fights and been able to get away with, when you look back in retrospect and objectively, some really questionable IQ decisions. And you guys know I'm a big, and it's not even his camp, because his camp will call for stuff, and he he doesn't always do it either. Um, And the camp is pinnacle MMA, which is Bobby Green. And you know I'm a big Bobby Green fan, but what do I say too? Even though he's the more technical fighter and should win the fight, and I still stand by the, that, like on things uh, on, on certain fights, right? But the fact is, he doesn't make the best fight IQ as far as given the IQs that he's working with with the judges, and that's really dangerous. Um. So, and then I wrote the inflation part because I, I also feel like there's this really, and again, uh, how I ties back into the thick Willie thing, and and that why well, I feel bad joking about that even though I'm making an obvious joke and in my defense I'm one of the only people who call out the athletic and explosive thing cuz I've been calling it out since I was a little kid watching basketball in the NBA in the early 90s folks which so I was like why is the black people always explosive why can't why and, and why is he why are they athletic when they do something skilled why can't they just be skilled why does the black guy got to be athletic you know um and it's this, rate arguably racist, I would say, inflation. It's so embedded because it's so embedded in or We don't even realize it's so embedded in or, our language. Where I think when we see an athletic black dude, we just assume he's really good, you know. Um, even if he's not, you know, how many times have we seen that just athletic black dude first first round finishes and it's like, oh, look at this guy. He's got so much. What do they say? Look at all the potential. Like, this, just this unfair fucking projection and inflation that we paste upon this this person, whatever fucking cucky fantasies we have and stereotypes are embedded about it, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's so fucking strange. And, and, and conversely, when they do something very skilled and intelligent and show the good fight IQ, what do they say? Oh, it's so athletic. Look at the athleticism. You know, um... Anyways, I, I just feel like that's always been a problem that I've called out since I was a little kid watching the NBA. And uh, and more relevantly, I feel like, again, uh, I get why Emmer's is a good fighter. He's a deserved favorite. Um, he he needs to be turning the corner, but he could be turning a corner here. But if he doesn't, man, if, if he's not, I feel like this could be one of those cases where it's not that he's not good, but I just think that he might be a victim. And not his fault. Not that he's not good. Not his fault at all but I think it's a little bit of that kind of weird racist shit that we tend to do to black athletes unfairly. So there's that. All right, on that note... Wow, Dan. (laughs) Way to go on a high note there. Um, All right, recapping picks and plays. Taking uh, Barbosa over Chikadze. Taking Battle. Fucking Battle, man. Over Urbina. Taking... Tertios over High I guess. I haven't watched much of these tough fights in case you guys just fast forward to this part. I don't watch tough. Uh, avoid all tough. Uh taking Kevin Lee over Rodriguez, although that's dogger pass. Taking Petrosky over Gilmore, no clue. Um taking Murdoff over Mir Don't worry, Mir I got your back. You, know, you got Matt. Alright, an easy sli. Um taking DeCheriko over Al Hassan. Oh, this could be a possible draw there. Nice sprinkle uh couple bucks for fun for that, just for the shits. Um, taking Alvi over Terman, and I played it as well as sprinkled uh, a bit by the KO, plus 300, or inside the distance, plus 275. Taking Jacoby over Stewart. Taking Chai Chai over Demopolis. Taking Martinez over Kineti, uh Taking Sabatini over Jamal. Jamal number two. Um, And uh, I played Sabatini uh, plus 130 as well as um, Sabatini by sub plus 500. I also played the under 4.5 at minus 115. 1.5 units I laid heavy on that for my chalk play. And depending on what line I get on Barbosa, and or how well I do on... I'll probably still play Barbosa anyways, I'm just more waiting on the line, but part of me, you know, I always try to, you know, these are two early underdog plays I have, so the good news is if uh, I want to quit while I'm ahead or chase while I'm behind, I will have that option. So maybe we'll see if I add, like, the Barbosas or something inside the distance or play i heavier on the line uh, with my hedge already in place for chalk on that under. So that's my game plan. We'll see how it works out for me. Wishing you guys the best of luck, sorry for the 30 minute longer episode with... You know, the weird stuff attached but I'm in a weird mood so it's whatever weird's better than completely bad I guess so we'll take that and I'm wishing you guys nothing but good and good luck on your picks and plays uh, as well as with everything else and always protect your neck